When, when I'm preaching, I, I like to find common words that express biblical concepts. Because I think most of the biblical concepts, the things that we talk about, are words with three, four, five syllables. They've become encrusted with tradition. They're words that we don't use outside of church. And so, why not take a word like sanctification and simply say that that that's God making us more like Him? I think that, that we ought to be able to talk plainly and sensibly about these things. And so, there's the concept. Is that my on-site uh, speaker is doing that? I'm not sure. Okay. I keep losing sound here. Just a second. We'll get this going. All right. Let's see how we do there. All right, so I want to talk to you about the concept of lament. And um, I realize there's just, there's just not a better word for it. We're going to go with the pulpit here. Yes, I lament that technology does not always do what it's supposed to. How long, oh Lord? Uh, see, even when I try to be serious, humor comes back to it. Uh, and I'd much rather be laughing, but there's, there's times where you have to be honest about what's going on. When you look in, um, um, at this word lament, you know, I can't find a good, basic, common word for it. I think we're just going to have to stick with this word, lament. But lament is a word that doesn't bring a lot of humor to it, unless you're having audio problems and then you make a joke about it. But it's still a word that in English means to show sorrow, to express regret, to mourn deeply, an expression of grief. Uh, That's a rough word, and that's not a word that we use a lot, probably because it is such a discouraging word. But it's a word that we need right now. You know, this is a tough subject, and I was going into this when we were concluding the series on 1 Peter, and I'm reading from church leaders who say that what we need to do right now during this you know, unusual, uncertain time is we need to learn how to lament. And I'm thinking, we, we're not even sure what the word means part of the time. How are we going to actually learn to lament? Well... I was thinking through all of that. I'm just going to confess some things academically, and I was thinking, how can we explain this? And I had all of my notes. Here's the verb. Here's the noun. And then I was reminded that this gets very real and personal for everyone. So as I'm going into this week, and I'm starting this week, I find out that my oldest son, he lives in Missouri, uh, he's got COVID. And... He and he's just getting over that now. And, and I'm, I'm angry, okay? I'm not worried. I'm going to confess to you that I'm angry. I'm angry that, that you have to worry about your loved ones from a distance. I'm, I'm, I'm angry that everything gets changed up. I'm angry that I can't be around people who comfort me and encourage me. I'm angry that I can't be there. 
I'm angry that all this is happening. I'm not worried. Is my anger justified? No, not a lot of it. And I don't want you to get me off the hook either because I'm confessing. And I could go on a long rant right now of everything I'm angry about, about COVID and, you know, it's a disease, I get that. This is the most political disease I've seen since AIDS. And, and I'm, I'll be fair and partisan. I, 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 uh, I'm angry at all politics, not just one party, okay? So there, I'm fair and balanced. How's that? And, uh, and I could go on and rant like this, but that's not why you're here. Can I have an amen? You're not, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not here for that because it wouldn't do you any good and it doesn't do me any good. But what we need is we need a healthier way to deal with these feelings of anger and sorrow and grief. Because I, I, I'm convinced that, that my son's going to be okay, but I've got other loved ones who they wouldn't be okay. And you've got loved ones, you've got friends and people you know who've suffered this disease and it's been horrible. And then there's just these side effects that we're all experiencing. I have a list of sermons or rather funerals that I haven't been able to preach yet. They are out there at some date in the future, some grief that's just out there. We will have a memorial in the future. Do you know what that does when you can't process that and you start carrying all that around? How are we going to deal with that? I know, let's get angry. No, let's lament. And we need a better definition. So I'm keeping the word, but I'm going to use the biblical definition. Forget English. English fails us right now. Here's the biblical definition. And we're going to get a little poetic with this. In the Bible, you see lament serving multiple purposes. It is prayer in the midst of pain. So that when God's people are hurting, when God's people are experiencing pain or they are feeling attacked, they pray to God. This isn't a rational approach to pain. You know, I, I've seen studies that say that if you pray, it actually helps the healing process. I, I don't have a... I, I'm like, what? That's, that's pointless. I mean, you're telling me that prayer and aspirin are on the same level? Yeah? It doesn't make much sense. When you look biblically at prayer, prayer comes out of deep pain and it's people unafraid. Like this song that we just sang, where could I go but to the Lord? In the Bible, prayer is an expression of trust, even in turmoil. I'm afraid that there's a bad theology that exists out in the world that says that if things aren't going right with you, if things aren't just okay with you, you've done something wrong and you've sinned and you need to figure out how to get God back on your good side. You don't see that in Scripture. In Scripture, you see people expressing their turmoil. They're honest about it. They may even complain to God about it. But they'll turn right back around and express their trust in Him. In the Bible, lament is questioning God in our quandary. We're confused. We're doubtful. We don't know. Yeah, if you've ever been told that to have doubts or to complain to God 
is inappropriate? I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see David listening to anybody when he writes a psalm and he questions God. And no one calls him out and says, David, you shouldn't talk like that. That's inappropriate. But I'm willing to believe, and I, I, think, I, I think this is a safe bet, that many of us have been told, well, don't express your pain and your questioning to God. That's inappropriate. I'm going to tell you, it's not only appropriate, it's more than that. It's vital that we learn to do that. It's critical that we learn to express these things to God. Because we need to rediscover the power and the meaning of going to God with our prayers, our trust, even our questions. We need it now more than ever. Very quickly, here are four reasons why we need to learn to lament. And we're going to revisit these through this series, but this is just four that I want to go through real quickly. If you don't get all this right now, well, now thanks to technology, you can go back and you can look at this or you're going to get it again, okay? It's going to come back again and again. Four reasons why we need to lament. Number one, it corrects our false, superstitious, and over-rationalistic views of God. Typically, this is expressed as fortune or misfortune. That bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. Because God is keeping a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. And so if something bad has happened to you, chances are you've sinned. Now, we may not want to admit that we're that superstitious, but when we get in pain and grief, it can show up. And the enemy will use that against us to make us doubt God. Now, when we look at God's work with us in terms of fortune or misfortune we've really reduced God down to a force and there is no relationship there there's no personality there's no justice it just becomes fate karma or some sort of dispassionate deity one of the things that we've lost in this rational world is we've taken all of the relationship out of God and he just becomes a mathematical concept greater than us and he's dispassionate I don't want a dispassionate deity I want a heavenly father I want a judge I want a king who fights for me thankfully that's in the Bible second reason we should lament it can redeem our tendency to gripe whine and worry if you are one of those blessed people who never gripes about anything, who never whines about everything going wrong. If you're like the little dog in the meme with the house burning down and you're drinking your coffee saying, it's fine. If, you, if you've never seen that, then you're old. Okay, if, if, that's, if, if that's the case, then I want to meet you because you're an exceptional person. Most of us have to admit that it is in our tendency to gripe, whine, and worry. Or we are surrounded by people who do that. And I, and I can even put more weight on this statement. We live in a culture that does that. I, I, I think 
you know, there's a lot of talk about whether our two uh, nominees are going to have a political debate. There's no debate. I think they ought to call it what it is. Call it the political gripe. Call it the political whine. I mean, you know, put them in the sumo suits and let them run at each other and uh, just really duke it out. Yeah, everybody would watch that. Yeah, I got an amen. We live in a culture that does not report news, but rather delves into demonstrations of grievance. If we learn to lament, then we will not be contaminated by that anxious virus as much as we are. We need to learn how to process these things much better. Third reason, the emotion and the frustration are going to go somewhere, and if we learn to lament, it's going to break our addiction to drama and overreaction. When we get emotional, when we get frustrated, it usually goes to drama. Thankfully, technology has given us social media so that we can go and puke our frustration out online. And there's no consequences to doing that. You can do that, and then everybody either worries or they ignore you or they talk behind your back. Did you see what so-and-so posted on social media? Did you hear what so-and-so ranted about? on social media. But how often do we say, did you, did you read what Jesus said in Scripture? Did you hear what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Did you hear what David said about God in his psalm when he felt this way? If we learn to lament, we're not going to be so quick to rush to what upsets us in social or unsocial media. Fourth final reason this will return us to wisdom, truth, and perspective. Laments are emotional. And, it, and if you're worried about that, because I know sometimes, you know, when we're, uh, as, as my uh, Dr. Bob Fisher uh, is in my cloud of witnesses now, and he said that sometimes we are the frozen chosen and that uh, emotion is something we're not sure what to do with. If you're worried about lament being emotional, just know this, you've got emotions, okay? Unless you were born a robot, you've got emotions. And, and, and those emotions are real and they're elastic and they're stretchy and they're often not right, but they're real. But laments are structured. They are the containers that let us hold and carry the jello of our emotions, all right? They, they are structured. On the cross, Jesus is experiencing pain, sorrow, grief, shame, separation. And where does he go to express himself? He goes to the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a well-known hymn to him. Thousands of years old, even in his day. We need these wise sayings. We need these familiar songs. We need them. It's like the blues. It's a genre that allows us to sing through our pain. And we need to learn how to do it. Now, to show you how this might work, I want to share with you a real quick model for lament out of Habakkuk. I want to thank Dylan for his sermon last week. I would encourage you to go back on video and watch that. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, 
It's a good lesson on Haggai. And so seeing the interest in the minor prophets, I decided we'll look at Habakkuk, another minor prophet. Here at West Ark, we prefer to major in the minor prophets. I don't like that term, minor prophets. I mean, how do they determine that? Habakkuk's pouring his heart out, and somebody says, eh, you know, keep playing. We'll bring you up into the majors in a few years. You know. um, Habakkuk. It'd be a model lament for this day and age. It, it shows us that lament can do three things. It can admit things, it can proclaim things, and it can free us. Admission, proclamation, liberation. Let me run you through this and give you an introduction to this, and you can see how lament... You know, we've talked about lament, now we're going to workshop it. Habakkuk 1 opens up with a statement that is a raw complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. When's the last time you opened a prayer like that? And if you have, you're in good company. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come and save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Wow. That's the opening verses of Habakkuk. You'd think that he has a Facebook account reading that. You'd think that he has cable. He might be looking out of his own front door. We see the pain and suffering all around us. Do we know what to do with it? Do, do we just cover it over and dream of a heavenly hereafter? Or can we borrow from Habakkuk? I mean, he published this prayer. He published this prayer so that the people of God could have something to say about what's going on in their world and in ours. This is the perfect way to open because it's an admission. He takes the grief, the sorrow, the frustration of the people, and he puts it into their worship. You know that prayer that we pray, Lord, help us to leave the cares of the world outside as we come into worship today. I used to always get the image when I would hear that prayer that people were leaving these backpacks full of cares outside the church door. And then if I were to somehow leave early, I would have to run because those cares are going to jump on you like fleas. And I didn't want everybody else's cares and worries jumping on me. And then when I grew up, I realized, well, there's just no way to leave some of that stuff out. And God's never said, leave it out there. Through the voice of prophets like Habakkuk, he's saying, bring it to me. You've tried to fix it yourself. You've been carrying it around for far too long. Bring it to me. We'll throw it away. We'll get rid of it. We'll, we'll deconstruct it. So Habakkuk brings his prayer to God. He admits. Can you imagine what he's feeling? Can you imagine what he's seeing? Can you see now how lament can be for us an admission of how we feel? You need to take your feelings to God. Otherwise, 
Satan will have a field day with your feelings. If you don't hand those over to God and give him the controls for your feelings, Satan will definitely use them. Or you'll think you're in control and you'll misuse them. Will we be honest with God? How could we ever lie to him? How could we not be honest with God and then claim to have a relationship with him? John, in his letters in 1 John, says that anyone who says that he loves God but he hates his brother is a liar. Can you imagine it? The person praying, oh dear Lord, I love you. You're so good to me. Oh Lord God, you're great. You've made a perfect world. Now if I just didn't have those people in my neighborhood and those people causing all those problems. It doesn't work. You can't love God and hate the people that he has created along with you. This is where we need to learn to take our emotions and be honest with them, with God. And then he will redeem them or repair them or correct them. As we sang in the song, where can we go but to the Lord? Secondly, lament is proclamation. It says some things that are true. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 12. Habakkuk has expressed his feeling. He's heard a response. And now he's starting, now his heart is giving way to his head. And he's starting to think. He's still got the feeling, but he's starting to say some things. Oh Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal. Aha, see? He's found a foothold. He's found a, a crevice. In the rock face that he can grab hold to. You're eternal. Surely you don't plan to wipe us out. Oh Lord our rock. You have sent these Babylonians. To correct us. To punish us for our many sins. That doesn't sound very hopeful. But what he's doing is he's finding meaning. In the persecution. He's finding purpose. In the pain. And then he says this. But you God you're pure. You cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Habakkuk is having a debate in his mind. He's sharing it with the people. They're going through this now together. And what they're doing is they're seeking what it is that they can affirm about God. When you and I practice lament, when we borrow the laments from the ages, we're able to affirm things that we know about God. It's not just a, a sunshine and happiness sticker that we plaster over painful feelings. We go to the deep stuff and we find out God's eternal. God is pure. God will not leave evil and injustice unanswered. No, he will take care of this. Why? Because we know that these things are true about God. We've read these things. We've heard these things. This is ancient wisdom. And by the way, when we feel the way we feel, when we, when we get grieved and angry, we have a choice. Are we going to go to wisdom or are we going to go to worry? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, hey, if worrying can help you, then by all means, worry. You think, wait, Jesus didn't say it like that. No, if Eugene Peterson gets to do a paraphrase, then so does Chris Benjamin. That's my paraphrase of what Jesus says. If worrying is going to help you, Go right ahead and do it. Why? I've seen people worry and they've grown an inch. 
I've seen people worry and the hairs on their head change color. That's sarcasm, and you know that's not true. Jesus is actually saying that worry and anxiety does us no good. Better we should go to ancient wisdom, to modern wisdom, to the wisdom of people around us who've experienced the same things that we're going through and have come out on the other side learning something about God. And that's what we have. Did you know that you know, your Bible, maybe you're holding a print Bible in your hands. Maybe you have an electronic Bible that you're accessing right now. Maybe you have a journal that you're writing in at this moment. And you're writing scriptures in it. Do you know what that is? That is a treasure chest of wisdom. And I guarantee, I often tell people, this is about the best counseling you're going to get from me. It's about all there is. When you're feeling whatever it is you're feeling, one of my phrases is, find your psalm. You have 150 to choose from. There's going to be one of them that sounds like you could write it right now. Find your psalm. Then start praying it. Start practicing it. When Habakkuk does this, he comes to this point where he says, I'm going to just be silent. The world is noisy. And if we're going to spend our time collecting grievances and resentments, then we're just going to keep listening to the noisy, angry world around us and the noisy, angry voices in our heart when it's much better to shut up, to just be silent because the Lord's in his holy temple. And by the way, this isn't the kind of silence that we maintain. This is the pause right before the Lord is about to speak. As Habakkuk puts it in his prophecy, I'm going to head up to my watchtower. I'm going to take my post, and I'm going to listen to what the Lord says. So everybody be quiet. God's got a word. Lament makes us listen. Lord's in his holy temple. Let all the world be silent before him. Habakkuk 3 Habakkuk says, I've heard about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. See there? He's left behind the worry and he's grabbing the wisdom. He's named the worry. He's handing the worry off to God and now he's reaching out for the wisdom. In the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks, Max Lucado wrote a piece that became very popular and he tapped into this wisdom. Basically, the, 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 the gist of it was, he said, God, we've seen you do it before, now do it again. You know, that could be our prayer right now. People in the past have gone through plagues, they've gone through crises. Are we just going to wallow in it and get angry and mad and worried? Or are we going to say, here's an opportunity for God to do something again. Do it again, God, like you did before. Do what you did with the Exodus. Do what you did with the cross. Do it again, Lord. We've heard about that. We want to see it now. And then maybe we'll open our eyes and notice where he's doing that. But lament's going to teach us to listen. And finally, it sets us free. The ending of Habakkuk is so important. And it there, there, there needs to be better translations of this, I'm convinced. I searched and searched and searched 
And this is my own, and I'm not real good with Hebrew. <laughs> I wished I could make it rhyme, but I don't know. Somebody needs to write a song like this. Notice that there's three times that the word though comes up, and that's important. And these are things that would be important to people like Habakkuk. Maybe, you know, figs, olives, and all that are just, you know, stuff for, I don't know, you get at the supermarket. But for them, it's life, it's sustenance. Though the fig tree has no figs and there's no fruit on the vines. Though the olives fail to grow and the fields yield no food. Though there are no sheep within the fence and no cattle in the stall. Yet, I will have joy in the Lord. I will be glad in the God who saves me. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to walk on winding roads. Now, there's also this little note at the end, which is going to uh, upset a cappella traditions, because he says, a note for the choir master on stringed instruments. Now, if you think this is going to get me into a discussion of instrumental music, you're wrong. Because that's not the point here. The point here is that Habakkuk has said, we need to be singing this song. He says, we need to put this to music. Because it's not just a thought. It needs to be a song in our hearts. And in some ways he's saying, you know, this, this is the blues we got to play it, but we got to sing it. And I'm not talking about worship. I'm talking about every day in your life. And I'm talking about this, can we be set free? What is your though? Though the world around me is in pandemic, though the political parties of our nation are angry with each other, though there is violence that is unjust, Yet, I will trust in the Lord. Though I have no job right now and I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. Though I am emotionally torn up and I can't even trust my feelings at any moment. Though I have family members that I'm worried about, yet I will trust the Lord. Though I am worried about the future of God's church. Though I am worried that no one listens to the gospel. Though I am worried about my loved ones, yet I will trust in the Lord. You see how it works? Why do you trust in the Lord? Because He makes me strong enough to walk on a rickety old bridge across the Grand Canyon. He makes me strong enough to walk up winding roads that are perilous. He enables me to walk through life when it's tough. And when you know that and you can sing that song... You can be free, free from pretending that everything's just supposed to be happy and normal and that nothing's wrong. You can be free to praise God who strengthens you. And if it's good enough for Habakkuk, and if it's good enough for the apostles, and if it's good enough for Jesus, then it ought to be good enough for us. As we move towards the Lord's Supper after this song, I want you to see that in Hebrews 4, we have a high priest. Some say that Habakkuk was a 
a worship leader, a, a, a Levite, a priest maybe, in addition to being, a, he, was a, he was a kind of a house prophet, you know, who, who put together the worship of the, of the people. I, we don't really know. The point is, we have a high priest who doesn't tell us, we'll have none of that lamenting. We have a high priest who says, I understand. Where can you go but to me? Hebrews puts it like this, So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let's hold firmly to what we believe. There's proclamation. There's that wisdom. This high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. There's affirmation. There's admission. For he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. And there's our freedom. There's our liberation. As we come around the Lord's Supper table this morning, don't run to the triumph. Just, not just yet. We know it's there. But stop for a second and take in everything that happens. Jesus asks his disciples to watch and pray with him. Why? Because he is in great distress. And what did they do? They didn't watch. They didn't pray. And they blew it. Now, if they had joined with Jesus in his lament, if they had joined with Jesus in his serious embracing of his sorrow, then maybe they wouldn't have fallen away at that moment. But if we think that we don't need this, and the apostles did, if we think that we don't need to do this, and Jesus did, Well, I don't know what more I can say to you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would enable us to come with joy and to come with hope before the high priest who understands what we're going through. To bring our cares and our worries to you, not leaving them outside on some doorstep, but but. but tossing them to you and saying, God, we need you to help us because we've done our best to fix this and we've made more of a toxic mess than it ever was in the first place. Father, I pray that we will confess the wisdom that we know about you, that we will submit to your way, even if it's difficult, but that we won't hide those feelings so that the enemy cannot have a victory with them. Lord, bless us now as we do this, not just as individuals, but as a people. As we come around your supper table knowing that you understand where we're at and you freely invite us in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.